Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Support for this season of Assembly comes from the Cary Theater in Cary, North Carolina, the Center for Advanced Hindsight in Durham, North Carolina, and a special thanks to Overcoat Management in Chicago, Illinois. If you'd like to support Assembly, go to our website, theassemblypodcast.com, or email me directly, theassemblypodcast at gmail.com. Oh, we're about to start. Here we go. School of Film presents Assembly, a look at what brings us together in parts. My name is Robert Malazzo, and I'll bring you what I see, what I hear, and what I learn. Now, let's start the Assembly. I find performance really the best part of being alive, you know, just like performance in general, this dance or acting or orchestra, you know, I mean, it's a really valuable part of just being a human being. And this beauty, it's pain, you know, expressing pain. Art does all, all these things. It's like magic. I always want to be close. I've seen lots of people just because I wanted to see them. I've listened to them lots of times, but I just wanted to be in the room and see them, what they were actually like as a person. Expressing love, confusion, like all this, how we communicate. It's not with words, it's a different kind of conversation. I mean, I have lots of friends in the community, but rarely do they get to see me do my art, you know, which is really a, such a central part to me. My best friends in my neighborhood only know part of me because they, you know, usually when I play, we're traveling around the globe or, you know, playing in other places. They know that I, that that's what I do, but they don't get to experience it. And so to be able to share that part of myself with friends and family is super fun. 
That's singer-songwriter Sam Beam. Sam, along with Teflon musical twosome Calexico, that's Joey Burns and John Convertino, have decided to look back and ahead as the guys begin and end one week together, a workout in support of their new record, Years to Burn, which is only their second collaboration in 15 years. See what they did there with the title, Years to Burn? (laughs) On this season of Assembly, I'm going to try to understand these artists' personal and professional calendar flip, what's brought them back together, and how does it still work? And I'll do that by hanging with them. They've planted a few flags for this week, one in North Carolina, which is today's episode, one in Washington, D.C., and one in Brooklyn, New York. I'll chat with the communities and the crowds and the counties that make this reassembly so magnetic and, dare I say, emblematic. On this part of Assembly, episode two, if you're playing at home or in the car, we'll cut in on Sam and John and Joey during the first first in a week full of firsts. The first first is something the guys haven't done in 15 years, a rehearsal. And this rehearsal is at the Haw River Ballroom in Saxpaw, North Carolina, which will lead to the second first in 15 years for the guys, a show at the same Haw River Ballroom in Saxpaw, North Carolina, which is, to wit, not too, too far from Sam Beam's own home in North Carolina. So there's that. Now, day one of rehearsal, which you can relive in fascinating, excruciating, eloquent detail in episode one, was done and won because I really feel like things were starting to come together near the end. But this is rehearsal day two, decidedly different. I think of it as where the rubber meets the road. It will come together, but how does it come together? This part of rehearsal is the key. So back we go. Nostalgia's Base Camp, Saxbaha, North Carolina. Day two, the prelude to a paid show, a.k.a. the ticking clock. As Sam told me, shit's getting serious now. On these days, the guys had to really filter down and find a silhouette for the show. But ironically, to find that silhouette, they had to start with the guts. The guys also had to find the set list, which I was beginning to think was the MacGuffin of this rehearsal period. The most important, the least important, and the last thing the guys had to do. But for now, let's rip the clock off the wall, casino style, as the guys drive to the curtain. Here's part number two of the assembly, The Imposter. We have plenty of time to go through everything we did yesterday, I think. Okay. I mean, because we're starting a lot earlier. Do you want to do the three songs we're going to be playing a lot for promo? I want to play rings. everything today. Okay. Yeah. Either The Bittersweet or What Heaven's Left. Yeah. Just get serious now. One, two, My name is Sam. Sam Beam. I sing and play guitar. You're a real leader through my eyes. I learned a lot um, making movies, how to empower people, but also uh, get what you need, you know, and keep changing what you, your expectations based on what people's strengths are, you know. Um, I also feel like from filmmaking, I learned really quickly that you let your team be your strength and not like and that has to do with like showing that you're vulnerable you know let them know when you don't know and you're looking for ideas because they have them and they're ready to give them to you the moment that you act like you know everything you lose your team because they want to be included too whatever you want to do like from night to night you know just yeah have fun yeah yeah sure and that's what we had done the last time and let's go through the rest of the in the rain stuff we haven't played like history of lovers i got you to sing that one I always sing that one. Okay, cool. Um, 
you and I were talking about momentum the other day. You know, they get a little lost when there's no momentum. They get a little, not, you know, they're just a little frustrated or just they don't know where to put their focus. And so it's easy to just throw a direction in the middle, even if it's not the right one. And then it is empowering, even if you fuck up royally over and over again, because I've done it. It helps you make your next decisions. There's a new kind of permanence to it. Shaping something quickly because we only have two days. You know, even if it's not the right decision, let's figure out what we're going to do. And if we want to change it, we can change it later. But let's figure out what we're going to do tomorrow at the show. But thanks for the comment about the teamwork stuff because I, I concentrate on it a lot. I try really hard. So sensitive, man. You were like the most sensitive drummer. Like you're here. Like as soon as like in the motor, I have like any anticipation. I'm like syncing up with you. When I slow down, you start to slow down, and then I start to slow down. Like a second, then you start to slow down. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. I felt like that jam in the middle felt cool. Um, I was waiting for you to do 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 it up. I know. I remember yesterday we talked about Rob taking over that. Cool. cool. I mean, we, I think we can fall in some. You know what's yeah, nice, yeah. too? You dropped a couple of U-bombs. Oh, and I did one oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, great. But that's the thing. If, he, if he's if he got a thing going, then we can yeah. fall in. Yeah. Nice. Every now and then, you just do a little nod, yeah. Oh, you mean the eye stuff at the front? Yeah, the overlap. Every now and then, you just do a little nod. Oh, yeah, yeah. Last verse. To understand how a sweater is made, you have to turn it inside out, even the most beautiful sweater. You have to see where the stitching is, where patterns cross, where parts connect, to get it ready to wear, and if all goes well, wear out. But what if you're wearing that thing, but the weather changes, and that's what the guys were going through. The elements, rhythm, time, space, noise, vibration, echo. They had to account for all these factors in what they chose to play and how they chose to play it. Day two was all sweater making. Start a song, stop a song, start a song, stop a song, start a song, stop a song. It was more like bone breaking than sweater making, actually. Well, here's a good example. Here's the guy snapping a bone or two, a song or two, in two, so it heals for the show. Yeah, it's like every now and then, like hit that one. Yeah. One, two, three, four. In your own time, you'll dance in the moonlight. But even if you just do that one. Oh. Or even like, like every once in a while, like you would, like we would hit these long notes and you would do a third. It's like, ooh. Yeah. Just tickle it. Yeah. Let's go dance in the moonlight. Smoke like a freight train. Fuck like a dog. Don't be scared if I tell you I love you. I'll be good to you. And then I'll be gone. Yeah. I'm Howard Reynolds, and I'm the manager of Iron & Wine. What are you doing here? Uh, 
Good question. <laughs> Sweating. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to troubleshoot. I'm here to try to get this up on wheels and get it running in the best possible way, especially within the first week. So yeah, uh, it's good. Today's good so far, uh, but far from where we probably hoped we would be, which is kind of standard in this business. There's no such thing as a dress rehearsal, or is there in music? Doing the responsible thing did mean having a difficult conversation of are we are, are we not going to be ready to play a show? Every band would probably say, in hindsight, I wish I had two or three more days rehearsal. Maybe I had a week, you know. Uh, but you're dealing with budgets. You're dealing with very real situations um, with people's time, with uh, what you can afford, because you're paying everybody and you're paying for costs um, on days when you're not making money. You know, it's there's so many pieces that have to fall into place. You do feel a responsibility to have as much dialed in. Uh, to be prepared to put on a show that's worthy of the 20 30 40 dollars that somebody has paid uh, to show up. So you can't take it lightly. Uh, it comes with a sense of responsibility. It comes with a certain expectation. And uh, we're trying to meet that. Sam at one point wanted to call the record Nostalgia's a Bitch, you know, because he knew what everybody wanted was this version of Iron and Wine and Calexico that really exists only in those seven songs and then a tour, where it'll be interesting on this project is with Joey having been the band leader of Calexico for 20-something years as well and having his own history. I think that in this role, he lets Sam, it's almost a break for him to let Sam be that driver without losing sight of what also he wants to contribute to the project. What melody was I doing? Dusky's red, on the wind in Daniel's place. Can is sick and smaller pose. Rhythm lingers on and on. a little bit about your experience doing shows in North Carolina. Well, my history with North Carolina would probably go back to identities. And North Carolina had a clear and succinct identity built around college radio uh, and obviously the number of schools that are here. So there was a youth industry, and anytime you have that, whether it's Columbus, Ohio, and Madison, Wisconsin, where you have those big universities, you have kids who love music and who want to come out. What's interesting now is we're trying to still reach those kids because that's fun. Uh, I mean, seeing that expression on, uh, you know, someone young's face the first time they've seen the band is there's nothing like that but we're also dealing with people in their 30s 40s and even 50s who are coming back out to be reminded of the thing from their 20s or you know at the same time there's a country folk mentality to it all and that's not me saying it's better or worse than any sort of city folk thing but it moves at its own pace and uh you kind of learn to love it um even if you don't at first because uh, in chicago we were very, uh, very much of like, you know, now, now, now. And uh, North Carolinians would be like, it's going to happen. Don't worry. We're going to make it work. We're going to make it work. I'm fixing to. That's what we're doing down here. We're fixing to get this ready and, and going.
There are sound makers, there are clock whisperers, and there are caretakers. And yes, sometimes they're all the same person, but this week they're decidedly different parts to the sum saxpaha. I documented some of the birth of the town in episode one, but I was interested in the modernity of Saxpaha. Could something that was so steeped in tradition and the hometown and the small town find an appropriate modernity? Paradox in point, the structure we've been sitting in all week, a classic old mill and die house repurposed into this nouveau center of food and art and inclusion. When architecture becomes emblem not only of the past, but of the present and the future, are such totems gifts? Or are they really just mirages? One more gift to bring. It's a group hug. It's cute. One more gift to bring. We may well find you late. I'm Heather Lagarde, and I'm one of the owners of the Ha River Ballroom in Saxabaha, North Carolina. Yeah, that's the Haw River right there. We're in it every day, and we listen to it and love it. Yeah, Haw River really comes from Sisapaha, which is the old Indian name for this village, which changed into Saxapaha. Yeah, it's a, it's a very special tiny place. There's less than 2,000 people who live here. It was an active cotton mill community for years, and a big polluter of the river for years, and it's slowly changed into a very environmental, science, arts, foodie-based place. Um, where people come and to, to enjoy the river and love it and not just make it be, be used as a dumping ground, which is what it used to be. So we still love it when you see on the back of a tour t-shirt, you know, D.C., Philadelphia, Atlanta, Saxophone. <laughs> you know, it makes us laugh every single time. We, we shouldn't be on those lists, but we are very happy to be. I'm from Chapel Hill, which is not very far away. I learned how to drive in Saxbaha when I was 14. But I lived in New York for a long time, in London and Africa, and left Chapel Hill when I was 17 with a mohawk and an attitude to never return to North Carolina. But I'm so glad I came back. We're sitting here in a kind of oasis. How would you describe the structure we're in now? We're in what we call the upper mill, which was the dye house for the cotton mill, which does have the Saxpaha General Store and the Eddie Pub and Haw River Farmhouse Ales and Left Bank Butchery and a, a school also, as well as the ballroom and a coffee shop. This was actually much more decrepit than the cotton mill. This one was in, in danger of being completely knocked down. And so a whole bunch of us got together to say, please don't, <laughs> don't do it. Let's just cobble together this crazy group of people to save this building and talk a bunch of friends into doing various projects up here to to retain this great old beautiful architecture and try to enhance it so so we're running on solar power and geothermal primarily gray water and we tried to reuse everything we could to just keep the feeling of what this used to be but keep it safe for the future i mean i think at first people were very worried that you know it would be a, a gentrifying takeover. And in some ways, it always will be if you're going to go to that next era. We had moved down from New York City, even though a lot of us were from here originally, and wanted to just have something to do in the evenings and bring people back together in a very nostalgic, old-fashioned, happy community, free way for everybody. So we started this thing called Saturdays in Saxbaha 15 years ago. And it's, an, it's a nighttime farmer's market with a music series on a hay wagon stage and food trucks and a slip and slide and giant bubbles. It's free for everybody. We collect donations in a big swan bucket. I'm better known as the swan lady than anything else in my life. And it's just sweet. And people 
come to that and say this reminds us of the past and that slowly won over a lot of people who were very very worried about what was going to happen so I think people are happy to see the bill the mills be repurposed but wanted to make sure they would not be excluded from what came in here and then there's no jobs and no community left how do you see music in this community without feeling like you're the carpetbaggers just trying to do cool stuff it's this intention of on a big giant tour where bands are just getting run to the ground sometimes with everything all the stops and all the places we try to have this stop be like actual breathing stop where you could go hold a baby goat at the next door farm or you can get your feet in the river the harbor river or kayak along with us we go every day and and that's our that's our hope. I'm the child of a musician, and I grew up on the road, and I remember the great places and the awful places, and we wanted this to be one of the places that was really welcoming and nurturing of musicians as a as a stop on their route. How do you make it personal for artists? <laughs> We're very hands on in that you know a whole team of us, and there's mostly women working here. That's one of the differences, and we will meet the tour bus when it arrives, and we will all unload together. That's from me, the owner, down to anyone. I wouldn't actually use the word down. All of us join in, the baristas and the, you know, everybody is kind of a family on the staff here. Um, The next door bakery will bring warm cookies to the band the moment they arrive they see the tour bus bullet and they'll make it for them the chefs really like actually research the bands and try to find out what kind of food they like or some kind of funny theme that they can bring into them and um, and and the reason that that we do try to get them out to the river or the farms is not just for relaxation for them but it's to really give them a sense of where they are and who's going to come and who's here when bands come to Saxbaha there's a like ripple effect of goodness for all the local community and we really want that to happen so farmers are selling to the restaurants and the restaurants get a great boost whenever people come here for shows all the local Airbnb community which has become quite vast around here and very much so in the farm communities where farmers are renting out little cabins and buses Um, there's a circular happiness level that's really low down lo-fi and dorky and (laughs) well-intentioned very built on love of music and and love of Saxabaha so it's a it's Saxabaha and we laugh about it Um, the hardest thing is the audience trying to help the band pronounce the name correctly come clean only the birds can hear us what do you do to people who call it Saxapaha instead of Saxpaha. I forgive them because I did too for a long time, but you know, you slowly let it fall away as you actually live here. Covering rehearsal Rashman style, there was one similar story. The road to rehearsal was about to dead end into the show. Okay, those are my butterflies talking, but we certainly weren't at a rest area. We'd reached Wally World. The guys had set stuff, but kept stuff fluid because, you know, that's rock and roll. But remember our MacGuffin, ye oldie set list? Well, there she lie, dead ahead. Hey, Jess, can you print us out? Um, lyrics for Wild Horses, that Rolling Stones tune. The Stones? Oh, yeah. 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 Say, I know that. Say, Here we go. Seizing. 
My name is John Convertino, and I play drums for Calexico. Talk a little bit about set lists. I saw uh, uh, Joey and Sam kind of clustered. Are you all the last to know? I'm, I'm up for anything. I mean, I played, you know, for like 10 years with Hal Gelb. So there was never a set list with Hal. And, and, you know, to him, the weather doesn't have a set list. So why should I? And then, you know, when Joey and I started putting Calexico together, it was really loose, too. But I think as you start, you have, like, tour managers and lighting designers, and they all want to know what you're going to play so that they can do their part really good. So, you know, that's when the set list started happening for us. You know, it's, to, it's for the show. So, yeah, I'll look at it, you know, before we play and just go, yeah, know that one, know that one, know that one. What the hell is that one? I kind of forget what I do on that one. My name is Sebastian Steinberg, and I hold the bass. Because I'm a bass player, not a guitarist. When do you know when the set list is the set list? Sometimes I know it in January. Sometimes I know it by 8.30. It really depends on the tour and how they feel about it, but it's fun. I will definitely pitch a bitch if there's too many songs in the same tempo or five songs in G in a row, or at least I used to. Yeah, tempos, keys. Yeah. Joey's really like, oh, yeah, these are all in C. Let's move on. He, I don't think that'll happen with Joey because he's really conscious of that. This could make me feel you know, the layperson thinks, oh, show day. But do you all think on those terms like today's a show? Is today a show day? Uh, no. I get hyper alert. Right now I'm just trying to n- match names and faces with the songs because there's a big pile of songs. I think when we have a set list to look at, it'll all feel a little bit more real. Knowing that that is at the end of the day and that's the reason I'm there is really mostly just exciting and nice. And uh, right now it's just... A party in the future. Do you have any rituals on show days? Yes, I do. Are they legal? <laughs> uh, it depends on where you are. Yes. <laughs> do musicians ever have superstitions like oh athletes? My God. Yes, yes, yes. We are some of the most superstitious people you'll ever meet. I do know there's a whole thing about bringing money on stage, making sure that you don't bring cash on stage. Tom Waits is a big is cursing a show by bringing money on stage. I myself, it's all about the socks, show socks. No one sees them, but they are my secret. It's a sacred thing. Don't fuck it up. What's your take on organizing the set list? Do you want to keep it like a little bit of cat and mouse, like mental musical cat and mouse? Yeah, you want to be engaged. You want to be. You don't want to just be regurgitating things over and over again because uh, it. It's not fun for anybody. And so, yeah, you get enough material that you can make two or three different setlets, switch things around, just so you're engaged with with the material. You're thinking about um, how you can bring more to it or how things work together when they're done in a different sequence. I'm <laughs> sweating bullets. What are you worried about? I don't ever feel quite up to the challenge of doing a concert. I, I just don't feel very prepared, so I get nervous. I've always felt like an imposter because I'm not, I'm not a trained musician. Oh, E-flat. E-flat. I know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what that is. Can you... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. E-flat. 
at the same time, I've been doing it a long time, and I know that, you know, I can put on a show, but it's also, yeah, I don't know, I get in my head about it. Sam thinks he's an imposter. Wow, this is a guy who's done some of the most sensitive stuff I've heard over the past 10 or more years. Added to which he's clearly an autodidact. He's taught on the university level, and he has every form of artistic DNA you can conceive. What hope does that leave for the rest of us? Jokes aside, it's actually a really big deal. Imposter syndrome. I've talked to a lot of artists over the years, and far too many to mention, and most of whom would shock you, feel they're an imposter. But it's not an idea reserved solely for artists. Other people, other professions, other walks of life feel this idea that they don't have the requisite foundation or experience or frankly the right to call themselves a thing, whether it's an artist or a teacher or a dog owner or a first-time parent. So Sam was flip, but I didn't take it that way. In fact, it was one more thing to look at. We're in our case, listen to. So come back after the break. We'll listen together as the assembly continues, quite literally, with a show. But now this. Hey there, it's me again. It's Rob. (laughs) I want to tell you about a few things here in the mid-break. The first is the Modern School of Film. I always tell my students, you don't need to be in a school to be a student. And that's why I started the Modern School of Film. It's not always about the education of art. It's about the art of education. Go to the website, modernschoolfilm.com. That's one big word. At the Modern School Film, I do all manner of talks, classes, online film clubs, online classes, partnerships, events in your town and beyond. The Modern School Film has content to share and bring into your own educational environment, including the masterclasses I've done with luminaries from the worlds of art, life, culture. A lot of cool folks have come to the Modern School of Film. Folks like Willem Dafoe, Ang Lee, Glenn Close, Salman Rushdie, Ken Burns, David Cross, Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig, Alanis Morissette, Frank Black of the Pixies, Jeff Tweedy, Wesley Snipes, Chuck Palahniuk, Peter Bogdanovich, Marina Abramovich, late masters like Wes Craven and Abbas Kiarostami and D.A. Pennebaker, and many more. And when they talk at the Modern School of Film, they're teachers. That's pretty cool. Go to the website, modernschoolfilm.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at Mod School of Film. That's M-O-D, School of Film. And send me a note, get involved, take a class. We're all students. The other thing I wanted to mention to you is the other podcast I do called Murmur, M-U-R-M-U-R. On Murmur, I take one subject every week and do an hour-long deep dive with a guest kind of of record. And that guest comes from art, culture, current events, politics, athletics, education. And in that hour dive, we can hopefully get out what that subject means to them. And subjects tend to be evergreen and everlasting. So we're trying to save the world. For example, we had Johnny Marr talk about collaboration, Matt Berniger of The National talk about anxiety, ESPN's Doris Burke on criticism, 
CNN's Jeff Tubin on anthropology as art, Nico Case holds forth on harmony, Angie Dickinson on the past, Jeff Bridges on the art of the actor, and the late Anthony Bourdain talks about the art of life. But wait, there's more. <laughs> if you have a subject you'd like me to feature on Murmur, email me directly, murmurradio at gmail.com. I'll take your subject and I'll find a guest for you and give you full credit, just like you were back in school, but only better. You're going to get an A. Murmurradio.com. That's one word, M-U-R-M-U-R radio. Com. Go to the website, subscribe to the show, follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, at MSF Murmur, hosted by me, brought to you by the Modern School of Film. Check it out. But now, back to the assembly. What happens on the day of a show? Well, for these guys, we've learned that there's a rehearsal, there's finalizing the never-so-final live mixtape, the set list, oh, and there's the more and less legal day of rituals for the guys, most notably for our new friend, Sebastian. But what about for the hours leading up to the show? Wait for it. Wait for it. There's dinner. As we speak, the guys are being treated to dinner at the Eddie Pub, the pub being just above the ballroom, slightly adjacent. I skated on dinner. Uh, I think it was my butterflies, but not butterflies over what I had to do. These butterflies were because of what I was about to see. After staring behind this curtain for the past few days, I was about to see it all come together without breaks and without explanations. So these were the good butterflies. Butterfly wrangling also allowed me one final spin across the Haw River Ballroom before the show. And the first photographs were as inspiring as they really were unsurprising. Ballroom staff, technical staff, cleaning, clearing, box office, merch table folks rising from nowhere, ticket takers, beer vendors, taking stock, taking place to make this thing roll, careful not to rock. This work was palpable, remarkably silent. It was like watching folks eat a great meal they're so invested in the meal that there's silence. One fascinating byproduct of this din-free din that I was enjoying was it allowed me to hear two unique and equally beautiful sounds along the periphery of the ballroom. I'm Jacob Von Swill. I play trumpet and uh, percussion. I'll be doing some pedal work and uh, vocal. This is a song of Sam's? Yeah. Or? This one is a translation of uh, Cinder and Smoke. So we translated the lyrics and I'll be singing it in Spanish. Are you going to use lyrics, a lyric sheet during the performance or are you going to have to well, Hopefully, it? eventually not. Just as reference, you know, just it's good to have there. But yeah. But I mean, we've been listening quite a bit and, you know, with the recording and stuff, so it's very familiar. Just got to. It's good we have it in front of us though for a little bit. <laughs> How long have you known John and Joey? Oh, 19 years. Wow, yeah. is that all? Yeah. <laughs> well, met through a mutual friend, Ruben Moreno, back in Tucson, and uh, they were looking for someone to play trumpet and tour. And uh, Ruben at the time couldn't do it, he was teaching, so he recommended me, and I got to meet Joey and rehearsed with him, and we started touring and been with him ever since. 
And so I really was looking forward to this tour because I think it'll be fun and just to kind of try some new things that we normally don't do with Calexico. And so it'll, it'll be fun. It's great to see Sam and hang out with all these guys. You're kind of in his backyard too. That's kind of interesting. Cause yeah. you, do you pay attention to the community when you travel and tour to see how different people live? And Yeah, I, mean, I don't think we get enough time usually in the city to, to you know, get to see that. But um, I mean, you, you know, when you go for walks and so you kind of get a grasp of something. But yeah, it's never enough time. So... You just kind of enjoy the sights and scenery and, and hopefully meet some good, nice people along the way, you know. Isn't it weird how 15 years goes know, really yeah. fast? Yeah, yeah. I love In the Rains. It's a great album. Are we getting older or are we just getting smarter? <laughs> getting older, for sure. <laughs> smarter, I know. To each his own, I guess. <laughs> Alex Sauzermanic, and I'm a musician. Um, I moved to Durham when I first moved here, but I've lived kind of all over the state, working on a flower farm and a vegetable farm and working at a goat dairy, making cheese, and um, for a while I was weaving blankets up near Asheville. And then I've also worked at a library, at a public library. You'd be a cool librarian. Ah, thank you. Did you know Sam, being another North Carolina cat? Yeah, I I was familiar with, with Sam's music and also living in Hillsboro and working at the library. I'd see him walk down the street from time to time, which is a funny, like, weird moment of, like, different worlds of my life coming together. Um, and have met the Calexico dudes, like, at a music festival many, many years ago when Mountain Man was on tour as backup singers for Feist. You're the opener. Does that sound a little too myopic? Does that sound reductive? People aren't coming because of the opener most of the time. Um, So I think you have a really specific role to fill that's like, it's also kind of a fun challenge to like try and make a room full of people who haven't necessarily listened to your music or owe you anything um, to try and make them listen to you. But how do you differentiate the silence of listening versus the silence of uh, uh, ambivalence or antipathy? Mm -hmm. I want to look at people and I want to see their faces or like take in the room at large because when you like it is a give and take that's happening. If your management said we're gonna you're gonna open for Metallica do you have any say in it? Well, can you imagine Metallica wanting me to open for them? No, I mean, I think, yeah, if if I had strong anti-feelings, that would certainly be taken into account. I wouldn't be forced to do anything of the kind. But it's mostly at this point, like, wow, what a special opportunity. I'm so grateful to be a part of this cool night of music with bands that I really admire and respect. The Calexico dudes and in Iron and Wine. They're really delightful to interact with and made me feel really welcome. What's the job again? Opening. Playing a show. Playing music. Is it to win hearts and minds or is that too poetic? Um, I I think that's a part of it. Morning come and we're 
Night nighttime skies in North Carolina are some of the most beautiful I've seen anywhere I've visited anywhere in the world. Colors, alchemies, pigments, progenies that you really can't single out by word or by definition. These colors are familiar, yet not at all. Just like my North Carolina, by and by. In short, the outdoors were calling, but not to stare at the sky. It was time to talk to the assembly within the assembly, the crowd. I'll shorten my report here for the sake of time, but here's the basic gist of the thing. I spoke to 25 people roughly. Of that group, 0.0% were from Saxbaha, and when I say from, I mean either born there or currently living there. About 40% of the group were from rural and slightly less rural parts of North Carolina. Again, born there, living there, or both. The majority of folks were from Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh is the state's capital, only about 40 minutes away. Now the qualifier on that from is a majority of that group weren't from Raleigh. They simply called it their home. They had adopted it, much like Sam had adopted North Carolina. Or was it vice versa? Froms are tricky. Prepositions aside, everyone was excited. <laughs> they were all fans of Calexico or Iron and Wine, and in most cases, both. They had seen the guys in different configurations, different formations, but none had seen it like this in 15 years. So a buzz there was. Consciously or not, they all felt they were crucial parts of this assembly, and so did I. Here are two parts of those parts, starting in the front of the line and ending on the dark side of the moon. Sure, my name is Emily McIntosh. Where are you from? Uh, I live in Raleigh. I am always curious why people are first. Because I'm so short that I really hate being behind tall people where I can't see anything. And I also dislike having my own personal space. And if I can get here early, why not? I have a book in my bag that I've been reading since I got here. So, yeah, if I can, why not? I love Iron and Wine. I've This would be my fourth show. Um, and I love concerts. I love live music. And... Uh, like I said, anytime I get a chance to go and do things like this, I'm going to take them. Where were you born? Uh, California. What brought you to North Carolina? Uh, school is the short answer. Everything's short in your stories. <laughs> you, your yeah, answers. When you come out to Saxapaha, do you feel like you're in a different place? I did notice in my drive that I was going away from the city. I live downtown, so I was definitely getting away from metropolitan and more towards like, you know, the nature and the country, um, which I actually thought was really nice and peaceful. And uh, it's really cool to be here and to see the beautiful river. Um, I think the sunset is about to be like the most epic sunset with all these clouds. Um, so yeah, I guess maybe not necessarily different worlds, but definitely different landscapes and different kind of scenery. What would you tell people about Saxapaha, just one sentence, that aren't from here? I actually work for the state for the Department of Natural and Cultural Resources, and uh, I can tell you that a beautiful gem like Saxapaha and the Hall River Ballroom um, has that very special quality that's unique just because not only are we amongst the beauty of nature and we are just kind of, you know, just far enough away from the hustle and bustle of downtown, um, but North Carolina in itself has just some beautiful rich history and some beautiful culture. Saxabaha just kind of encompasses all at once in its own little way. What's your name? Uh, Travis Hunter. Where are you from, Travis? Uh, originally Columbia, South Carolina. I, I grew up right next to Sam. 
you were all kids in the same neighborhood, essentially? Yeah, I mean, it, we grew up in kind of in the sticks. A neighborhood kind of spans a larger area than you might think of. But, uh, yeah, we used to go out, and his parents lived on the lake, so we would go and uh, kneeboarding and exchange mixtapes and make fun of his sister and, you know, stuff like that, just kid stuff, teenage stuff. Came back this way to go to grad school in eastern North Carolina, and I came over this way because of her. Love. Fiance, yeah. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. What, do you have a date of getting married? No. Well, then I take that back. <laughs> Where do you call home now? Little old Stanley, North Carolina. How far drive is that? Uh, about two and a half hours. You came all this way for this? Yes, sir. just want to say hi. It's been 28 years, so I figured it'd be pretty cool to say hello and get to see his music live. I've never seen him. I've seen Calexico, but I've never seen him live. So. When you saw him becoming a public personality, what did you think? Was it kind of slightly surreal? I was just really happy for, for him. I know, you know... He's he's a genuine guy, so whatever he does, he's going to do 100%. So I'm sure he's enjoying himself. I'm a songwriter and musician myself, so definitely uh, uh, just enjoying watching him succeed. Come clean with me. There's a demo in that backpack, isn't there? Uh, I wish. <laughs> it's just a camera. And in the camera, there's a demo. <laughs> Maybe Sam will take me on tour with that. <laughs> What do you think of Sax Paul Hall? Uh, this is a great little spot, man. We are actually camping. We walked here from where we're camping, so um, beautiful little town. Yeah. And if you if you travel in the mountains, Western North Carolina, there's tons of little little spots like this you can find. Brevard, uh, you know, Cashers, small towns that actually have great venues and, and you know, great local support for music, and uh, they're just sort of out of the way. You don't really know about them unless you know about them. It's a cool effort he made. It's a cool circle spinning around. Super cool. I mean, this was like a guy who changed my life. He gave me my first Pink Floyd cassette. I mean, I imagine maybe I would have heard of Pink Floyd if I hadn't met Travis Hunter. But at the same time, you know, my little kid brain, he like bent it in the best way. We were, we were music buddies. Music buddies, that's an interesting concept. One of my Sam post-it notes I'm playing with, and this is a report, not a criticism, I clocked that Sam had this sort of framework for people he met along his road. Spencer was a music buddy. Tift Merritt was an art friend. Maybe I was a podcast pal. (laughs) I didn't have the heart to ask. But in the meantime, I do like to whittle down on words like this, like friendship, because I don't think their unique context screws with the meaning of the word. The same goes for this other F-word I've been hearing a lot since I've been with the guys. No, not that F-word. The other F-word. Family. These artists, these caballeros, as Sam called them, really lean heavily on this word family. Now, we all have a reaction to that word, but let me report mine to theirs. It was a floor of trust, a sort of verisimilitude that if I played with you and you played with her, she and I could play together. Family. But ironically, unlike you and I, these guys could choose their family. My name is Sebastian Steinberg, and I hold the bass. We've got family, Calexico and I. Lisa Germano, if you're out there, hello. I think Sam and I have the kind of relationship that isn't so much about conversation as it is about seeming to share a lot of musical DNA. We play guitar a lot together just as a sort of pre-show ritual. We did a lot in Iron and Wine, and it just, yeah, it feels like, he feels like a, 
brother, which is not something I say a lot. My name is Rob Berger, and I'm playing um, keyboards and some lap steel guitar and accordion and vibraphone and singing. I've known Sam since 2008. We met on a Neil Young tribute concert in New York. I've known Joey and John for a long time. I mean, I had a group called Tin Hat Trio and we, it was like 15 years ago and they came to a show and I met them there. And I know Sebastian from other contexts and it's just kind of this this family of friends that we sort of connect, you know, reconnect over the years. And so we all we all kind of know each other's playing, just kind of just just this organic way of you know falling into this new material. Did Rob just say they were a family of friends? Oh boy, let's dodge new terms for a second. Sliding down our alphabet just a touch. There are F words and there are M words. Marriage. What I've been observing when I think of the musical marriage of Calexico, for John and Joey, there's this amazing Corsican-like tether. There's an unspoken ish. They don't engage in these verbal seismic breakings of bread unless it's real bread because John's a bit of a foodie. They give and take musically on such a beautiful nuanced level. There's really no need to talk about the stoplight or or a bargain on a great set of snow tires. Now to be clear, the blueprint for successful music marriages, whether they're consciously or subconsciously laid out, is not a prescriptive for, let's say, a mortal marriage. One like the one, say, between Joey and his wife Nova. On second thought, I don't even consider those contractors mortal. I think couples who sign a contract with art and the road and the show might be superhuman. Nova Burns. I'm really proud of him. I, I see all of the hard work he puts into before a show, and he's a perfectionist, and he works really hard. And so to watch it pay off and to watch the culmination of the successful show is nice. So I'm proud of him. Do you have a unique approach to show week? Yeah, a little bit. You know, um, I am careful to give him a wide breadth <laughs> and extra understanding and time it's like a deadline for any it's the same thing as a deadline a lot of your focus goes to that but he's great about making time um today we went to the planetarium this morning you know he could easily have asked to just stay home and rehearse on his own but he wanted to spend this time with the kids and so it's been a really nice this has been a nice experiment really in balance with travel work and family. What is imbalance? Having a spouse who's connected to music in this way, what are you balancing against? Balancing his absences with the development and the stages and the needs of the girls and and of myself, actually, when he's gone for long periods of time. You know, we've, we've got it down. We can do three weeks. We can do another three weeks. But, um tour after tour after tour he comes home and we have to sort of reacquaint on a very basic level no the milk doesn't go there it goes here (laughs) we're living here when you're gone you can't come back and put the milk in the wrong spot so we're careful to check in with each other um he's really really good at adapting first thing he does when he comes home is he gets up early regardless of how tired he is he makes me coffee you know he starts doing the laundry taking the kids to school he doesn't like missing all of that so and both knowing that we're in this together and we both want to make it work you know you got to tell me one thing we wouldn't suspect about john and joey as a duo something that would surprise people 
the truth is they are as nice as they seem to be. That's not going to make for good content, yeah. you really. No, it is true, though. They really are as genuine as they come off to be. And I think that sometimes people feel that it just can't possibly be true. But it is. They are wonderful people. I love them both. And they really do care about the music, and they really do care about all the people that they come into contact with. Hi, my name is Joey Burns of Calexico. I write songs, I play music, and I help others to create music. I think what she's doing is the most bold of all that's going to be happening tonight. Like, this is just enchanting. It's so cool. So I'm just kind of like getting caught in this tone and... It takes serious confidence and talent, and it's so beautiful. It's just... What's beautiful is one established musician taking a moment on this loaded night, 15 years in the making, to listen to another musician trying to establish herself. I had to tell Alex. It feels good to hear that. I really appreciate that, and I think that um, it just speaks to how kind and aware they are. It's nice to be validated, so it feels good to hear that. Yeah, sure. We've all been there. You know, we're all fans. We've all started off admiring the kind of glow from from the music uh, since we were kids, I think. Your wife is a superhero. Well, she is Nova, so she is, in fact, supernova. I know they won't be able to stay for the whole night, but I'm glad that we had dinner together. That meant a lot to me. It's cool. Yeah, We're almost there, our first flag of assembly, the show at Saxpaha. I'm excited to take my place, take my advantage of this reassembly that after talking to Travis, I now realize started about 30 years ago. See, there's always more. Speaking of more and being a sucker of rituals, I wanted to see what the guys were up to just minutes before the show. So I dipped backstage. There was John playing percussion with sugar packages. Jacob, still glued to his Iron and Wine playlist, of course. Seb and Rob making it a point to talk about anything but music. Joey was putting on his lucky cowboy hat. And then there was Sam. Exactly where I think he likes it. The non-center center. Walking, singing softly, playing notes from the past to an audience member of the past who had also arrived. And as we exhaled this first collective breath on assembly, this was a part that reminded me that 15 years was really a lot of time and no time, because there were people in John and Joey and Sam's lives who had been watching and listening and coming together, both in and out of time. My name is Sam. Sam Beam. I sing and play guitar. Is it strange to see your son perform? Well, it's uh, entertaining. So he's he's been very blessed. I'll say that. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Do you see him as a little boy in a weird way on stage? Yeah, he's soon to be 45. I remember when he was born, the day he was born. He called me today, want to know what time of day he was born. About about nine o'clock on the 26th of July, 1974. We had to wait there all night. That was really hard. He had to wait so long. Yeah. Poor guy. But he arrived just in time. Are you proud? Well, very much so. I'm sorry his mom couldn't be here tonight, but we have to go to a granddaughter 
sixth birthday tomorrow in Athens, Georgia. So she's got to get ready for that. So that's why she's not here. What's it like to have your dad here? Uh, it's great. I love dad. It's always me and dad both love music, so it's fun. It's a fun thing we connect on. I like seeing my my friends, and this is what one of the good things about traveling. People come and say hi and get to see people you don't always get to see regularly. So it's great. The only reason I'm dad's here is because I'm playing the show. It's great. You know, it's a good thing. Hello, hello. How's it going? Yeah, look at your shirt. We love you guys. So we've been practicing for three days. Songs that we haven't played in a long time. So have patience with us. Also, we are learning. Before we get started, I do want to say thank you, Joey and John, Jacob. Again, it's been a long time, it's been fun. Um, I also want to say thanks so much to everyone at the Hall, Ri Hall River Bottom, Heather and Chris and all the baristas who gave us all that yummy coffee, thank you. I don't have anything else to say. Joey, you have anything to say? Thank you all so much. This is our very first show, so you know we're a little nervous, but you guys have really helped us ease on into it. So thank you so much, and I hope we get to come back soon. We love it here. This is such a great venue and community. I really appreciate all of you being here tonight. Now, I don't really feel that nervous, Joey. <laughs> I just feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And that's so good. Joey helps me. I also pay him as a tutor. Tree. We were kicking precious stones, sinking ships and swimming home Only crazy for the comfort of our clothes So that was really cool. I'm looking forward to just feeling it even more and not having to think about so many things. Oh yeah, what am I doing on this song? Am I playing acoustic or electric? Is there a capo? <laughs> I was happy the way it, the shape of the set grew and, and dipped and it came back up. How everything is sitting together. So I have a lot to kind of uh, hold on to. It seemed a lot shorter than all of the hours and hours we've been rehearsing. The ornamental door Even rain can hear us Running off the road It's so great about Sam's personality on stage Is that he kind of Just kind of allows people to To get into it and to laugh and smile And, and open up, you know And not be so rigid That's what I like about where Sam's at right now The songs and where he's at as a performer He's changed a lot since we first toured together In 2005 He's a lot more quiet and reserved it's a really great time to, to do this. I'm really grateful. You know, it's really it's a successful night for us. Thank you very much. You're very kind. Thank you, neighbors. Um, 
Let's also thank the state of North Carolina and its incredibly sweltering hot weather for this beautiful evening we have tonight. Let's just thank, it. thank the place where we live for us being able to share our bodily fluids just through the air, just by being close to one another. Just think of what kind of beautiful biological communion we're having tonight. Or don't. All right, how are we starting this one? However you like. <laughs> In your own time, you'll drink something evil. Sing like an old and worship the land. Don't be scared if I walk with the devil. How do you feel, man? I feel tired. It was hard. It's fun, though. Does the show always deplete you in this way, like physically? Oh, yeah, of course. You put it, you know, especially when it's hot like that. Ugh. But uh, no, it's good to have the first one done. And so now you know, you know, it's, it's like doing takes. You keep building, try something else, see what works, see what doesn't. You know, you start to understand like where the where the beats are, where the moments are, and where you can experiment. You start to understand the architecture. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very. I've always been really surprised at how similar filmmaking and making music are. It's really funny. I never anticipated it getting into this. Your dad was here. I mean, it matters, right, that he's here? Of course, yeah. He's been through a lot of health issues lately, so it's really, it's great to see him out and about. And a little weird to have him not really acknowledge what's happening, but that's his journey, not necessarily mine. Yeah, my dad and I have a contentious relationship, but it's also, I love him very much, and this music is something that we've always connected on. I would have missed all that if it wasn't for you know, for him. Well, last question about the guys, Calexico. Does it really not skip a beat? I mean, it's crazy to like to do it uh, this much later. It's crazy, but it's fun. Thanks so much for coming by this evening. You guys are so fun. Thanks so much. Here for Colexico, here for Jacob, Seb, John Convertino, Rob Berger, Paul River Barron. Thank you, Heather. We'll catch you, maybe. the next part of assembly. This is the NPR floor. This is where it all happens. Terry Gross is out there somewhere. That's a perfect radio voice right there. I'm expecting uh, just a wall of beautiful sound. Please give a warm welcome to Calexico and Iron Man. Fun to be back, isn't it, Joey? 
I'm loving it. It's definitely pretty prominently featured on my Tinder profile, so there is that. <laughs> no college credit, but this is the coolest thing I've done in college, so. Have you ever said, oh, that person never goes. What's wrong with that person? Definitely. <laughs> oh, that was quick. I actually just under my breath kind of cooed like, hey, buddy. It's a little dead. Oh, I like it dead. Okay, great. Let's keep it dead. I feel like there's nothing you couldn't buy. It was actually brown sugar. The splend is a little too soft. So how do you know how it went? I don't. I just, I was there and I did it and then we move on and do it as something else the next time. Assembly is created and produced by me, Robert Malazzo. Original music for Assembly is by Sam Spiegel and ANR. A special thanks for this episode of Assembly goes to Angelo Malazzo, Cary, North Carolina, and Jeff Laufenberg, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Visit our website, theassemblypodcast.com. Send any questions, comments you have. You can also suggest an assembly you'd like me to feature on the show. And of course, you can contribute there. Your contributions are incredibly appreciated, I promise. Assembly is a presentation of the Modern School of Film. Consequence Podcast Network.